Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor, right here on 720 WGN. My name is Ken Edwards. Uh, with the Midwest Coalition of Labor, sitting to my left is Ed Maher with the International Union of Operating Engineers. Good morning, Ed. Good morning, Ken. How's it going? It's going well. Better than if we were in uh, New York this week. Oh, my gosh. Imagine that. With the orange skies. I, you know, my mom is in New York, and yeah. she sent pictures of it, and it literally like looks like somebody put an orange filter on the camera. It's, yeah. it's legitimately, like, the sky is orange. The it's, pictures don't even look real. It's crazy. It's, but it's the first time. I couldn't tell you the last time I was mad at Canada, but uh, come on, Canada. Your whole country is a forest. So here, let's quickly, quickly. Yes. Uh, because we, you had some we, good news. Yeah, uh, we, we got a lot to get to this show. Um, I want to just start with two two pieces of sort of like a, a little mini success story, uh, uh, success stories, and that is um, I, I got a call uh, a couple weeks ago from a retired uh, teacher um, from uh, South Suburbs, and she said, and, and they're not part of the OCL, but she said, hey, I've been listening to your show, and I've been hearing you guys talk about the building trades. Mm-hmm. I have two grandsons that are in high school. One's getting ready to graduate. You know, they're certainly interested in this. Like, can you help? Yeah. And I put her in touch with Marcus Jordan. Who was um, on the show a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. For, uh, from uh, He's our diversity coordinator from... Uh, the Operating Engineers. Yeah. And, um, and he immediately talked to these kids. And I think they're going to have summer jobs through that Hire 360 program, yeah, which I think is an arm Chicago of... Chicago Federation of Labor yeah. Runs. That's great. And, and get them some experience in the building trades. Um and then hopefully from there they can you know literally have an entree into the building trade. So it was really really nice. She was really really appreciative, mm-hmm. and you, you know so so it's working. And then I got another one from the carpenters from from uh, Phil Davidson, you know who sits in mm-hmm. often here, and um, he got an email from a spouse of a, a Polish construction worker that was forty five years old. Um, doesn't have a great grasp of the English language, but was in, you know says was a wonderful carpenter. And what they did was they put him in touch with a business agent that speaks Polish, right. and I, I think they got him into the trade, helping him along you know with his English. Mm-hmm. And that was also as a result of of listening to the show on WGN. So the workers' mic is changing lives, folks, one at a time. So that's, that's the goal. I mean, we really, want to help people. It really is the goal. So if you're interested, if you have a kid, if your kid isn't, you know, doesn't know what he wants to do, if you're interested, just pick up the phone. You can call. Uh, you can call the Midwest Coalition of Labor eight hundred four three three two zero nine nine. You can find us on WGN. You could find us uh, workers' mic on social media, right? Coalitionoflabor.org. Yeah, we got the YouTube channel. I yeah. mean, the the world's your oyster. So. Those are two just quick sort of feel-good things to start off this Sunday morning. Um, We've got a guest coming in, Rob Enton. He's an Rob, employer-side yep. attorney. Uh, he's going to talk a little bit more about the uh, the Glacier case that we touched on briefly last week. Yeah, and, and, uh, let me, and let me say, we had, had to have an employer-side attorney because we wanted to have a union-side attorney first. And we will. He, and we will, but he, he wasn't available. So Rob, right. is, Rob is great. Looking forward to having him. We'll be right back uh, with the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to The Worker's Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. Welcome back, everyone, to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting next to me is Ed. And as we talked about at the uh, start of the show, we're really happy today to have with us on the telephone uh, Rob Enton. Welcome, Rob. Hi, Ken. Hi, Ed. Nice to talk to you, Rob. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for thanks for coming on, especially at such short notice on a Sunday morning. Um, hey, 
full disclosure for everybody, Rob Enton um, used to work at uh, my former employer, Local 150, and Ed's current uh, employer, Local 150, and Rob was an in-house attorney for how many years, Rob? Uh, was at Local 150 for about nine years and then represented them uh, for about two and a half years before that at a, a law firm in the city. So about half your career has been spent on the union side and you then went and, and you switched sides um, and to go work with your father, if I remember correctly. Am I right? My, yeah. Yeah. No, I, uh, I went to go work at a law firm uh, that my father was also partners at. He's not a uh, labor and employment attorney, but mm-hmm. it was a good opportunity to kind of work with dad as he was kind of easing out of his career. So most, uh, most, most times I would absolutely hate people that switch sides, but, in, <laughs> but in your case, I liked you pre and you had a, a pretty good built in reason, like going to work with my dad. So like you get some dispensation and also you're a member of the tribe. So, so, so where do you work? Um, yeah. So where do you work, and what do you do? I uh, sure. So I am currently at Ford Harrison. I'm a partner there. Harrison, uh, Harrison Ford, Ford, the actor? Not not Harrison Ford. That must you must get that a lot though. Ford Harrison. Do you get Ford that a lot? Yeah, you're about tr- like the seventh person today, I think, to go ahead and oh, to God, try that. You know what? So, who's around um, first? You guys or Harrison Ford? Um, I, I think it's a tie, Ugh, but that's it's confusing. close. That's tricky. So, uh, yeah, now Ford Harrison, uh, labor and employment boutique here in, uh, in Chicago, we got national offices. Um, I think about 20 or 25 offices throughout the country. Wow. So, um, that's where I'm at and have only been there mm-hmm. for about two months, but, uh, enjoying my time, really smart attorneys, really good people but you but you were an attorney with you in your dad's firm for for quite some time right so you've been about uh, 12, 12 years on each side give or take correct okay. yeah it's uh i was a personality for about 12 so um it's about a nice even mix so I've, I've seen a lot and got a lot of different perspectives which has been uh it's kind of neat yeah you know so and, and and let's get into it one of the the reasons that this is just really serendipitous that that i called you and you know i haven't talked to you in a while but you know we're facebook friends and i always considered you to be blunt with you a really good guy sharp guy uh and i enjoyed working with you um is that come across my email and there is an article and it says high court labor ruling is a ripple not a sea change and that of course goes to the case that ed and phil were talking about last week the glacier case right yeah, Glacier Northwest, um, you know, it was an 8-to-1 decision. Mm-hmm. I think that it's not, at least, you know, from my perspective, from the management side, I think that most of us thought that that's how the court would go. I think that if there's a surprise, though, it's that two of the liberal justices actually joined in the majority. That was certainly a surprise. Let's, for everybody that's tuning in for, for the first for the first time about this uh, topic, number one, we're talking to, uh, to Rob Enton, uh, management side attorney with Fort Harrison, uh, who has a unique perspective, I think, on this case. Number two, we're talking about a case that the United States Supreme Court um, decided. Uh, it was late. La- it was late last week, and the the facts of the case, to just be kind of brief, were um, there was a teamster strike in the state of Washington where uh, a concrete company, Glacier Northwest. Uh, Their drivers went on strike as a concrete pour was being prepared. The drivers took the trucks back. Most of them left the trucks spinning uh, but walked off the job. The company wanted to sue the union for damages, uh, you know, the the spoiled concrete. And typically the National Labor Relations Act preempts any kind of uh, 
you know, private uh, financial damages at the state level in state court. They say it's the jurisdiction of the, the National Labor Relations Board. So the Supreme Court took this up and ruled against uh, the, the Teamsters. U- ruled against the Teamsters and said that in this case, um, you know, the, the the assertions that the court made were ver- I, I found them to be kind of questionable. They took a lot of things. Uh, um, I think they just assumed a lot of things, maybe falsely, but uh, but in the end, they did say that in cases where uh, th- that there were cases where um, the the federal law did not protect, uh, did not provide this right. It was not as broad as it had often been uh, expected to be. So they, um, you know, they they just sort of put a hole in this, put it back to state court. Um, yeah, they didn't award damages to Glacier. What they did was they sent it back to state court. Right. That doesn't mean that teams right. are going to get hit for for anything. Quite right. frankly, right? The state court might say, you know, no, we, we we don't find that the you know whatever the Supreme Court held in their new standard of you know you should have reasonably known that there would be damage to property. You know, we, we don't find that. Yeah. Um, so, so, Rob, just, so Rob, you tell you tell me because what's funny about this article is you, you start off by saying in, in the sword fight between King Arthur and the Black Knight in the film Monty Python and the Holy Grail, the Black Knight tries to minimize the damage that King Arthur is inflicting, right? <laughs> he gets his arm chopped off. It's like, it's but a scratch. A scratch yeah. you know? <laughs> and I just thought that was hilarious. And yeah, that, that was funny. So you could tell, tell us your, why you say it's a ripple and not a sea change, Rob. Well, I think there are a lot of ways that the court could have gone in this case and just decided not to. Um, look, I, the first thing I want to say is this is I, I don't think that you can I don't want to minimize kind of how this should be perceived on the management side. Right. Um, this is I guess you would call it a victory. Um, it's a decision from the Supreme Court of the United States that allows employers to go ahead and file state court lawsuits seeking damages under a conversion trespass to chattel, which is fancy lawyer terms for basically destruction of property. Right. Um, So, you know, I I think that to the extent that, um, you know, the last couple of years, there have not been many favorable decisions uh, that have been coming on behalf of employers. This certainly is something um, to uh, celebrate. It's probably an overstatement, but it's something that when you, when you say not, when you, let me interrupt. When you say not favorable to employers, you mean coming out of the National Labor Relations Board. You don't mean coming correct, out of the Supreme right. Court. Yeah, right. no, 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 no. Supreme Court is what the Supreme Court is at this point. So, right. which you is know, an, 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 an arm, arm of the Republican Party. Um, that's, 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 that's one way to say it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just ask Clarence. Um, no, ask Clarence with more conservative justices. Yes. No, so it, it's, I, I want to be, I want to be clear, uh, just because it is, it's a good decision for employers. The thing that I think where there should be, or there may be some disappointment from the employer side is that I think that the Supreme, I, I think that they had an opportunity to go much farther. Well, they certainly, um, they certainly, they certainly hinted at it, and, and yeah. kind of like in, well, in what, what I what I see as the uh, I don't know case baiting is what I call it. Yeah. So, so I think it what you're what perfect, it, perfect way to set it up. Thank as you. Far well, as like what Justice yeah. Thomas and right. Justice Alito right. and their concurrences kind of said, look, you know, we're not asked to revisit garment preemption, which is kind of the Supreme Court case that says that if there is a conflict between state law and NLRB law, there's an arguable conflict, then we defer to the exclusive competence 
of the labor board in those cases, which is a lot different from when there are conflicts between federal and state law, which federal law will always trump. So, you know, I think there is, you use the word case baiting. I think that uh, Justice Thomas and uh, to a lesser extent Alito may be soliciting that if an employer wanted to go ahead and challenge Garmin, Um, that they at least would be open to revisiting that particular standard. But but when I say that, you know, I I think that this case could have, it's not as big of a deal as some of the headlines that you may be reading that says that, you know, employers can now sue in state court for damages. Right. You know, there are several reasons why. Number one, Employers always had that right. Exactly. Of course they did. If a a union or somebody intentionally damaged their equipment, you know, whether strike or no strike, of course they can sue. Strike or no strike. Of course. So so this is not, I mean, you know, again, I think you have to kind of, when you read the decision, the decision doesn't necessarily open up all these new avenues as it's kind of been publicized. And I think as some management, you know, attorneys or the management bar had been hoping for the court to do. I mean, look no further than what the court actually said about kind of the spoilation of uh, product, right? Because that's what we're really talking about here. Right? Yeah, hardened you know, concrete. We're talking yeah. about concrete, right? The hardening of concrete and when it's left in a drum for so much time that that's going to harden as well. And then you're talking about damage to these ready-mix trucks, which you're talking to tens of thousands of dollars, right? Right. Um, the court could, you know, the union went ahead and, and made an argument. I think it was like the, one of their secondary arguments that they made that said, look, there are all these board cases, and whether it was milk or cheese or poultry, mm-hmm. where the labor board had, con- had decided that, you know, even if that is kind of a byproduct of the work stoppage that just because property has been damaged or destroyed or is unusable, that's not going to render um, a work stoppage unlawful. And I could have seen, I'm actually a little surprised. You would think that someone like a Justice Barrett and maybe, you know, again, if I put on my thinking hat, maybe it's because they wanted some buy-in from some of the more liberal justices as well. Um, they could have taken that step and said, look, if you're talking about perishable damage to perishable goods, it's unlawful. It's an unlawful work stoppage. If you're talking about destruction of property, it's an unlawful work stoppage. But in this particular case, they stopped short. And that's why I think that the decision is actually a very narrow one right. that likely is going to put a halt to the practice of targeting concrete pours just because of that particular damage, but then taking it another step, I, I don't, I don't really, I'm not seeing it from the language of the decision. I mean, I, I um, think considering that this is a conservative majority, it's a little surprising that they actually didn't even consider other than the concurrences to go ahead and whether it was attacking Garmin or having a much more broader general kind of rule when it comes to employer property damage during these work stoppages. Well, I think what they did, uh, certainly they made it, um, they, they put out word to, to unions across the country that if you engage in a strike that causes any sort of potential economic loss, which let's be honest, that's what happens in strikes. Um, you know, a, a lot of the time you could be tied up in court. Um, you could be tied up in lawsuits, but I mean, the, the Janus decision and other decisions that have, uh, that have hurt workers have often been the result of these types of decisions where, 
they say, well, we didn't challenge this law or this precedent, but if somebody brings a challenge, we would happily consider it. You know, so what what Clarence Thomas did in his concurrence was once again just kind of hand a roadmap over to uh, to do something that will ultimately come to the Supreme Court. I think uh, anybody who thinks otherwise, I I would uh, kind of question that, but it's it's something that is it's queuing up the next decision that's actually going to be a legitimate harm to workers. Of course, it is, and it's it's been it's been nothing but that. And, and Janice was actually a precursor to the overturning of Roe v. Wade. Right, right. They used they used the Janice decision. There's no more what we call stare decisis, which is you know reliance on past. Uh, Supreme Court cases that you have to have a really darn good reason to overturn them. Now they're just getting overturned willy nilly, right? And, and but let's go back to let's go back to this for a second, Rob. Um, is it like Ed had a point the other day that we were we were chatting about this? Like, what happens if you tell the employer preemptively or put it in your contract that we might strike at any moment? Like there's no more no strike. Yeah, like a, an unfair labor practice charge has been filed. We may strike at any moment as and, a result and, and of this. You're and you're hereby put on notice that yeah. you need to be, have contingencies in plan uh, in place in case we go on strike, and, th- and then shift the burden to the employer. What do you think about that, Rob? Well, it's it's interesting that you bring that up because I think that Justice Barrett actually put the distinction, and one of the things why, or one of the reasons why she found for the employer, or the majority found for the employer in this case, is this idea of lack of notice. Yeah. Um, I don't read the decision. I think that Justice Barrett would tell you it's not the lack of notice which the court found issue with. It was that she concluded that the timing was done with the intention of having that property destroyed. Would you stick around with us for, for our next minutes? Yeah. A couple more minutes for our next segment. Happy to stick on by. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, let's take a break. We'll be back in a few minutes right here on uh, 720 WGN. You're listening to the workers, Mike powered by the Midwest coalition of labor and sponsored by Megan financial premise health and Voya financial. Welcome back, everyone, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. I'm Ken. Sitting here with me is Ed. And we are still lucky to have Rob Enton uh, from Ford Harrison on the phone with us. Rob is a, a management attorney, as we as we talked about. And, and just we want to just wrap up a couple more minutes talking about this Supreme Court case uh, that we talked about in, in the segment right before, uh, the Glacier case, um, which basically sent it back to the state court to say that uh, the 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 act of letting this concrete spoil right. uh, might open up might I say it doesn't necessarily said it would uh, open up the teamsters to to damage and this was this was a case that was reported in national media as just being a a major hit on unions and Rob's article was basically saying this is not as big a deal as it's being made out to be like a lot of the things that are being stated in this case are things that already existed so you know let's not get carried away with this a flesh wound. Yeah, a flesh wound. I mean, literally, it draws, draws some fun parallels to uh, to Monty Python and the Holy Grail. It's a yeah. fun, fun yeah. article to read. It's a great article. Hopefully, that uh, it will get from back from behind the paywall soon, uh, which I tried to get around this morning and I couldn't. Um, which is why I called you directly, Rob, and I appreciate that. Um, so, so, but so let, yeah, let's, there, let's, there, I want to I want to put a bow on this. What do you think? Let, let's just put on you know your uh, future hat. What do you see in the future? What's the next case that stems from from this decision? Well, so three takeaways that that I think is clear from the decision. First one is the practice of targeting concrete pours is going to lead to damages. I don't know how you read the case any different way. Agreed. 
um, that that's number one. And that that's the narrow reading that I kind of refer to in the article, which I which I believe is going to happen on a going forward basis. The second thing is that I think that more employers will file lawsuits in state court. And I think that they will be able to get past the motion to dismiss stage. Whereas historically, you know, a union can go ahead and say, hey, preempted by Garmin. I think that the court and the court would go ahead and say, yeah, that's the exclusive competence of the National Labor Relations Board. And, yeah, and it's a double-edged sword, Rob, right? Because you might have company A that's a multinational corporation that's got huge deep pockets that can fund that kind of litigation. But you also might have company B that has three employees and two right. trucks and doesn't want to take that chance or doesn't have the money to fund sure. it. So, it, you know, it's gonna. I think you're going to see a mixed bag. But uh, go to your point number three, which I think I know what it's going to be, but you go ahead and make it. Well, I think point number three is that I think that Justice Thomas and Alito, in their concurrence, um, invited um, – employers to go ahead and take aim at Garmin. And, and when you say Garmin, that, them, explain Garmin. When I say Garmin preemption, plenty. sure. So, so Garmin preemption, Garmin's a Supreme Court case it's from, I think, the late 50s. And what Garmin says is that if there is an arguable conflict between state law and NLRB law, that we're going to go ahead and defer to the National Labor Relations Board. Sounds right? good. Which is a, a stark difference between when there are conflicts between federal and state law, because in those cases, federal law always trumps. Right. So what has happened is that many times when employers have filed these state court lawsuits, whether it's for destruction of property, whether it's you know seeking some kind of injunctive action, um, Unions would go ahead and file motions to dismiss based on Garmin preemption, saying that you got to go to the labor board, and those cases were granted. That's what happened in Glacier Northwest, is where when the employer brought this case, it was dismissed and deferred to the labor board. Right. Justice Thomas, in his concurrence specifically, um, I think that he said that something to, along the lines of, you know, although we weren't asked, right. you know, um, we, this, said, although we weren't case, asked, we should challenge we this would, or consider you know, this. We would be, you know, we, you know, we do think that Garmin should be looked at a little bit more closely. Was that, did, he, so did he say I, that? Did he say that when he was driving Ginny to the insurrection? <laughs> hey, Ginny, hey, Ginny, what do you think about this? Uh, well, while we're riding I, down I, to the insurrection, I I'm thinking about challenging Garmin. Look, I, and this is what I would say. I think that if you follow the Supreme Court, that type of invitation, whether it came from Justice Thomas or Justice Alito or Justice Gorsuch, I mean, that's not a surprising position, I think, for them to go ahead and take. And it's funny. Um, and it's funny. So I, I, I just want to stop you there because I think we're almost out of time. But I, I'll say this. You're, you're First of all, you're 100% right. Second of all, anytime right now, and probably for the past, I don't know, 10 or whatever, since since uh, there's been a conservative majority, any time that the Supreme Court takes up a labor case, yeah. uh, it is not going to go well for labor. For sure. And we have to, in labor, you know, speaking on behalf of workers and unions, we have to understand that, be ready for it, be proactive, pass laws, which we're going to talk about in a second, right. you know, and and get our ducks in a row to make sure that we're not hurt by these kind of cases. I think you're right, Rob, that it was a ripple, not a sea change. I think you'll, I think the sea change is still coming, right? Yeah. I think the, the tidal wave is still on its way. It's, it's out to sea at the moment, but you're, you're going to see it. Listen, Rob, we got to go. 
I really, really appreciate uh, your taking the time. We've been talking with Rob Enton. Uh, Rob, are, are you a partner? I am a partner at Ford Harrison. A partner at Ford Harrison, which is a, 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 a what, nationwide law firm. Yes. Uh, representing national, management. National Labor yeah, National Labor and Boutique Law Firm have offices all over, including here in Chicago. Sounds good. Um, we really appreciate your coming on the show. Uh, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be right back with the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. You're listening to the Workers' Mic, powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Workers' Mic right here on 720 WGN. Uh, Ken, what did you think? I mean, I thought Rob was a, a very insightful guest. Yeah, he's uh, he's really well-spoken, and, you know, in my view... Um, and it might be, it might not be the popular view, but I, I think there are really two different types of management attorneys. One are just straight up union busters that right. would do anything to get rid of the union. And then there are attorneys, which I believe Rob falls in the category, which are management attorneys who zealously rep their, represent their client, but will also tell their client like, hey, you should settle. Because some attorneys will tell their client, you know, fight, 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 never stop fighting. And the only people that are making money are the attorneys. Yeah. And so I, I think Rob is, is pretty pragmatic, as you heard. And I, I also think he's pretty sharp. So I enjoyed that conversation. Uh, next week, we're going to hear sort of a, a, a possible counterpoint um, from a union side labor attorney. Great. Yep. Yeah, um, I, I think it's I think it's useful to to go through and see both sides. You know, this is actually the first time uh, in the workers' mic history that we've actually had somebody from management on mm -hmm. right yeah so we're equal opportunity these days not really well i mean one out of 35 shows <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, don't don't get used to it folks yeah. hey listen we got an agenda here yeah absolutely uh, but uh no I, I i thought he was great yeah um, and you know um and one thing we didn't touch on but i, I will just you know, con continue this conversation for a quick second. And here's the brilliance of labor right here in Illinois. And that is labor got a bill passed that amended the um, Illinois Labor Dispute Act, the Illinois Labor Dispute Act, which basically preempted yeah. the case that just came down and said, you can't get monetary damages unless otherwise provided by law, i.e. somebody intentionally damaging property, et cetera, right. et cetera. But, you know, this is this is why. The union movement in Chicago and what seems to be spreading around the, the rest of the Midwest, you know, Wisconsin and Michigan, what they're doing and, and Minnesota and Indiana, you're seeing you're really seeing the, these unions start to prick up and pay attention and, and see mm -hmm. what's going on and get ahead of the curve. Yeah. And so, you know, the workers rights amendments and passing laws like this and, you know, just getting out in front of it. So we knew that case was going against right. us, right? They, and they went out and passed the bill and we think the governor's going to sign it pretty quick, right? Yeah. It's been sent to the governor. The governor is going to sign it in the, the next couple of days. And I would uh, offer a lot of credit for that foresight to some of the really, really thoughtful and brilliant labor lobbyists that are working in Springfield, working in Chicago. We had a couple of them on last week, yeah, Mark yeah. Polis yeah, and Dave Sullivan. Super cool. And they talked about the state law that you're referring to, um, which hasn't been signed into law yet, but it's House Bill 2907, and um, it will protect Illinois workers and Illinois unions from the fallout of the decision that we've just been talking let, about. Let me so. ask you a question, though. I mean, you know, if you get a chance to to read this case... Glacier and, Northwest. Called Glacier Northwest. Just Google it. And feel free to, to read the majority decision if you feel like it. But there was one dissent, um, and it's the newest Supreme Court justice. I can't, Ketanji Brown. 
is that what her name mm-hmm. is? Um, and she wrote this really well-reasoned, uh, you know, dissent. And a dissent is basically where you disagree with the majority opinion. Um, get it if you get a chance, read it because you know if if you if you lose the right to strike, right? What what do you become? Yeah, I mean, literally, do you become an indentured servant? Do you not have the like? Uh, you know, Twitter can come in, walk in, and fire seventy five percent of its staff, mm-hmm. but. If you were to walk out from Twitter and somehow cause them damage, et cetera, what, is Twitter going to sue you now personally? I mean, this is just a union case, right? right? What happens is three people decide to walk out of their Starbucks, and they're not union. They just walk out of the Starbucks because, I'll give you an example, in New York, uh, the air quality was so bad that some people literally just walked off the job. They, they, had right. to, they had to go home. They couldn't breathe. I mean, they canceled uh, a lot of Broadway performances. They canceled schools. They canceled uh, sporting events yeah. because people, they, employers weren't going to ask their employees to get on a subway, get in a cab, walk down the sidewalk, and come to work because... Uh, the EPA classified the air quality but as some extremely did. hazardous. A but, lot, a lot did. Yeah, some employers like what, what, what smoke? Yeah, you can't come to work. <laughs> yeah. I don't see everything's yeah, fine. Yeah, everything, uh, wear a mask. Today's just an orange day. <laughs> <laughs> the skies are their normal orange color. Yeah, it's orange. It's that time a lot this time of day. What time is it? Oh, time to get your butt to work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, what I'm saying is like some people just walked off the job. Right. And I saw some guy holding the sign and says this is protected concerted activity, and he's right. Yeah. Except. Now what? Like, what is the employer going to sue you? And then, and then, what does that do? It puts a chilling effect on people's ability to strike and a people's ability right. to exercise their action. One hundred percent. And go like, oh my god, am I going to get sued? Like, maybe I should stay here and yeah. breathe in toxic fumes. I mean, as as Rob suggested, uh, one of the effects of this is. It will make unions say, like, I don't know, maybe yeah. we shouldn't go on strike because right. we're going to get tied up in litigation. And even if we don't lose the litigation, it's going to cost a lot of money to pay attorneys and all this kind of stuff. So the signal that it sends is, once again, the Supreme Court is not in it for working people in the United States. Yeah, which is a shame. It's a mistake. They were supposed to be nonpartisan. I have lost pretty much full um Whatever, yeah, what's, I mean, there's, the there's very, very little faith uh, uh, yeah, in the impartial lost. nature of the, which of is, the Supreme Court. Which is, and, and, you know, once again, I don't want to give a problem without an answer. How about term limits? Yeah. Pack the court, term limits, whatever you got to do, because come on. It's, it's a joke not, right now. It's an absolute joke. When they're case baiting and going, hey, uh, if somebody brought this case, you know, they, they might as well have already ruled. As a matter of fact, the decision is already pr- pretty much written, just like they wrote Roe v. Wade and leaked it, you know, or the, yeah. or the, the anti-Roe v. Wade, whatever it is. So, uh, And the roadmap and, is being given out by Justin's Clarence Thomas, who is being given free, you know, $100,000 vacations yeah, from billionaire he, benefactors. He, he, didn't, he didn't file his... Uh, his financial report yeah, yet. The right? guy's the guy's got severe ethical problems like that would put any other public official out of office. Or uh, at least shame them. And this guy's got no shame. None. None. Ta- taking vacations from Harlan Crow, who is a you know billionaire benefactor who sits on a board of an anti worker, very, very conservative, anti union think funds tank. Justice uh, Thomas's wife, Jenny, former stormer of the Capitol, I believe. Actually, I think they rode together. I, I just, I don't know why I keep thinking this. Like They only have one car. They, they carpooled. <laughs> they carpooled. <laughs> I'll be over at, uh, at work, honey. Just come over when you're finished. Clarence, can I get a ride to the Capitol? <laughs> I don't know why I think that's so funny. Like, Jenny, I don't know if today's a good day to go there. Clarence, just get in the car and drive yeah, to the Capitol. I God, told you. I am, you know, I got to storm the Capitol. Yeah. Anyway, so let, let, let's, let's, let's change, uh, let's change to some fantastic news. So I, we reported a couple of weeks ago that there was an L.A. West Hollywood um, 
you know, uh, adult entertainment club where the dancers had organized under the Actors' Equity yep. Union. Yep. And um, that it was the first one in the country. That movement's now spreading uh, to Portland, yeah. where the Magic Tavern, uh, which I think uh, employs like 30 dancers, they have filed to become union as well. So we had said when we reported on that first um, you know, uh, nightclub that had unionized that we expected there would be more and uh we're already seeing it so i think it's fantastic and i think you know kudos to uh, you know the, the, these folks are recognizing that any job has dignity like you've always said in, yeah. including being dignity in all work um dancer and, and, dancer and, sorry you can't say stripper dancer anyway whatever um more importantly they act because if you're a stripper, you got to act like you like that fat guy that's giving you money. <laughs> like, so you're probably the best actress or actor in the right. world, right? I would think so. I mean, it's you know, I mean, you should be in SAG. As I as I said before, <laughs> you know, what do you mean, Ken? That she didn't like me? <laughs> I thought she really liked me. I stayed there all night, and I thought that you know, afterwards I'd give her a ride home. Yeah, she liked me until I didn't have any more money. <laughs> I was like, oh man, do you have an ATM? And she just walked away. Okay. Um, so speaking of actresses and actors, um, SAG, AFRA, yeah, right? The Screen Actors Guild and the Television Radio Actors, yep, um, they're getting ready to go on strike. They took a vote. And what was the percentage of the vote? It was about 98% of their members voted to go on strike. Fantastic. Their contract is over at the end of June. Yep. And we've talked before uh, quite a bit. We were on location at the Writers Guild strike in Chicago, and... So the Screen Actors Guild is getting ready to join them. And so you'll have writers, you'll have actors. Um, it's very, very likely that nothing is going to change the fact that they're going on strike. Uh, I don't think they're going to reach any uh, resolution. I don't even know if there have been any negotiations between the writers and the studios in their strike. But this is about to no, get the a writers, bigger. The, the writers have not been back to the table. Right. And I think now, you know, and, and I said this last time, I think SAG, who has a much, much bigger soapbox, can get out there and save the day. I, re- I really do. I, yeah. I, I actually I actually have faith in them, especially having now uh, met the folks from the, the SAG after local here uh, in Chicago. Right. Just a really, really wonderful people. Um, but they have an action coming up, do, do they yes. not? Yes, this coming Thursday, uh, June 15th. June 15th? Yes, June 15th uh, out in Daly Plaza. Which is where? Downtown Chicago, where over the, by the Picasso. Right where the Picasso is. Yeah, it's across the street from the CBS studio. Okay. Um, and it's from noon to 3 o'clock. If you're in the city, head think, on over there. The last one was a lot of fun. You think they're going to try and kick us off again and say it's private property? Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and it'll work just as well for them as it did last time, which is to say, <laughs> it not at all. Yeah. So if you have the time or if you're on lunch or if you work downtown and you want to take a little time out of your day to go support these folks i i, I think you know obviously it, it's a worthwhile endeavor these these are people that you know work their hearts and souls to to get to imagine being a young struggling actor or writer right now right i mean it's got to be tough like number one you have a tough road to hoe to begin with and number two you're looking at like i thought i'd be rich if i was yeah. an actor everybody so. and that's what everybody thinks these are actors these are hollywood writers yeah they don't need our help they're doing fine and the it couldn't be further from the truth when people discover the reality uh that some of these writers are living in it's it's, it's and, some, and some young actors as well like they you know people think like oh i've been in a movie or i was in a commercial or whatever and i'm a multimillionaire, and it's just it's just not the case right you know i think that i think the people that are still living that dream are sports figures yeah. Right. I mean, they they their unions have negotiated guaranteed minimums for them, and 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 while I'm talking about that, where are you 
uh, Major League Baseball players? Where are you, NFL players? Where are you, basketball players? Why have you not stood up and said something about this thing? You know who came out in support of all this that I thought was great was Snoop Dogg. He had a a tour coming up, and uh, he said he was going to delay the tour because he was standing in solidarity. So Snoop Dogg, I mean, I love Snoop Dogg. Always have. I think he's taken it too far into greatness where my mom now thinks he's cool, which makes me wonder if he's cool at all. But I think he's so cool that everybody likes him now. It's hard not to like him. But, you know, but but, but listen, listen, if you have a soapbox and you're a famous like, you know, Matt Damon's really good at it. Yeah. Ben Affleck, I've heard. And uh, Jillian Flynn, I'm not even sure if I'm saying her name right, you know, has come out. And and there's lots of, of. pretty uh, famous people that have come out in support of this thing. But I really do think that there's a dearth of um, support from, you know, the Major League Baseball Players Association, Mm -hmm. the NFLPA, like, you know, come out and say something, put out a show of solidarity, you know, I don't know, put something on your field uh, or, you know, something. Anyway, because millions of people are watching you. Right. Or, I don't know, Taylor Swift, the most popular person on the planet. How about it? Right? Yeah, we saw that in Chicago. Everything, I mean, they they said that they haven't had hotel uh, rooms booked out. The hotel rooms in the city were, like, fully booked because of Taylor Swift. Just remember, Taylor, and everybody else, and that is no money, no concert. Right. We have no money. We can't afford your tickets. Yeah, absolutely. So I I know we've run our mouth again, but uh, we got to wrap this thing up, don't we? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we're out of time this week. Uh, Bummer. Um, Listen, uh, We've we've enjoyed everything today. Thank you so much, Rob Enton, for coming on. Yeah. Uh, thanks as always for uh, to Da Vinci Street. Thanks. Check as us out to, on YouTube. Yep. Check us out on YouTube on Spotify. Um, WGN Radio. WGN Radio TikTok. Which, by the way, our last TikTok got so many comments. The McDonald's thing. Yeah. I mean, just like vicious. Get on there and check it out. Yeah. Comment back, please. Um, and thanks so much to WGN and the hard work of our studio folks as well. Uh, You've been listening to The Worker's Mic right here on 720 WGEN. We'll see you next week. The preceding episode of The Worker's Mic was powered by the Midwest Coalition of Labor and sponsored by Megan Financial, Premise Health, and Voya Financial. For additional information and podcasts of The Worker's Mic, visit WGNRadio.com.